Listening to the Otaku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo, we're from the OtakuSpirit.com website, where you can find all of our anime, new and old, from anime fans for anime fans. Uh, but yeah, today we are doing our second part of our summer 2017 anime season reviews. We have uh, what eight shows: uh, Centaur's Life, Gamers, Restaurant to Another World, Made in Abyss, Classroom of the Elite, Princess Principal, Convenience Store Boyfriends, and Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul. Are we halfway done? This will, if we well as soon as we're like halfway through this episode then yeah technically oh okay but I don't know I don't know I don't know if I don't know how the shows are spread if the time wise that we spin on each show will come out to it being halfway because we could have a bunch of shows in our next podcast that are like that was cool bye <laughs> who knows uh, but yeah a lot of uh, a lot of heavy hitters in this one I th- I'm I'm sh- I'm already seeing one we will be doing uh, substantial amounts of gushing for. And some other ones that have some some smiles to go along with them. So sure, I think this will be a good episode. So half a thumb up. I think that one thing can probably make the thumb fly in up into the space. I up see up into the space. I see. Is there is there a rocket attached to it? Yes. No, just by the sheer awesomeness of it drives it. Oh, well, let's start off with uh, a center. Is it a life. golden hand? I don't know. What's a golden hand? Golden hand. You chop off the hand and then you replace the hand with a golden hand and then it holds the the rocket it's and then game it shoots of thrones. it's not game of thrones no. okay <laughs> let's start off with a centaur's life or centaur no nayami uh this one is streaming on crunchyroll ran for 12 episodes the studio is holiners animation league and the source is a manga genres are comedy fantasy seinen slice of life supernatural and yes this one follows it basically takes place in modern setting just like we have here now except there's no humans by our definition everybody is like three different types of beast humans where there's like centaurs and there's cat people and there's snake people and deer people and sheep people (laughs) so pretty much everything but a human angel people too there's even angel people uh i don't know how that mixes in with everything else but there's angel people and there's demon people too so there's there's all types of different type of beast people, um, except for not humans. So yeah, and so they just have their daily lives they deal with, their own their own issues they deal with in the way that they would 
if you were a beast person. So that's kind of the, the gist of it. And we follow uh, mainly Hime and her friends, Nozomi and uh, Manami, I guess is not really technically in their circle, but uh, Sasusulu, I can't pronounce her name. And they just do their daily lives and try not to alert the racist police. <laughs> equality police. Equality, yeah, the equality uh, enforcement groups or whatever. Um, yeah, I guess that's the first thing you kind of run into with the show. As it seems like it has a very heavy emphasis on equality. Um, all the characters seem to have like this constant... I wouldn't say it's a fear, but it's more of a thing of like, hey, don't do that. Or every now and then they'll kind of uh, passively say, you know, you shouldn't say that or you shouldn't do that because if somebody sees it, they might report you because it's technically uh, against equality. Like, one of them asks if they can write on the back of Hime, who is a centaur, and they immediately say, no, you, you can't do that. You can't rest on her back because they might see that and then you'll get taken away. Like, there's this constant fear. And then they have, like, the children books that, like, Hime is reading to uh, Shino, her her niece, is, like, has this propaganda within it about the government and stuff like that. Uh, so it does have, like, this kind of theme throughout it that there is this society that is trying to fight against the idea of inequality. Um, and you kind of see, like, I don't know, like, six episodes in, they show, like, this backstory of one of the characters, and it shows, like, it gets really dark. Um, it gets concentration camps and stuff like that uh and they hint on the idea that this is kind of stuff they're trying to avoid by being forced in equality in the first episode they kind of mention this idea of equality is more important than civil rights so it, is, it does have this kind of sense in there mixed in with here's these girls trying to figure out you know learning to get more fit or going out on dates learning about kissing and then every now and then there's a sprinkled episode about politics and stuff within the world so it's I guess my first really complaint about the series is really that it doesn't really know what it wants to be. Um, it, at one hand, it's being etchy with this whole mermaid, uh, the show and the mermaid people, and everybody's got no tops on. Um, there's bright lights everywhere. Uh, next episode, it's doing this whole backstory about this concentration camp, and it's being very dark and serious. This next episode, it's like nothing but exposition talking about this frog guy and his politics. And the next one's talking about this, uh, you know, what's the best way to kiss? Or can you kiss somebody that you don't know or a stranger? I mean, it's all over the place, whether it's either, you know, daily lives of school children being goofy. Uh, these adorable kids like Shino and her, her classmates just learning about flowers and being cute. It, it, it's it's all kind of all over the place. At one hand, I, I appreciate that because it seems like it's kind of constantly exploring this world, which I usually kind of really eat up. But at the same time, I wasn't really getting my gra- my bearings exactly what it wants to do. Mix that in with the fact that I think it's a very preachy show, um, which might upset some people and what it's kind of trying to be preachy about. Um, but I think it, it does seem like the, the, the writer has a lot that he wants to kind of express through the medium. So I kind of appreciate that. But at the same time, it becomes muddled because it's kind of all over the place with its characters. It's a very odd mix for me. I I kind of like the the characters. I I the 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 biggest problem that I have it with is is it has this really difficult time with its its comedic timing. It, it tries really hard to get this kind of um, simple to life um, funny moment, but that funny moment never quite pulls off. Um, but then at the same time, like Andrew was saying, it feels like it's all over the place. Some of them, the, the more, um, harder, uh, moments like, like particular, the, the frog and the, and the concentration camp episode, I thought it was a wonderful episode. 
why it was in this show is beyond me. But it was such a great episode. And and it's like, why out of all the all the shows this had to be right here, I don't know. But it was a really, really great episode. And then we go back to some of these other episodes, which which there is a lot of cute episodes. A lot of the the episodes involving, like Andrew was saying, uh, Shino, who is um, the young um, the young centaur, and and uh, Minami's girls, really adorable episodes. Some of the 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 episodes with the um, uh, older girls and their their kind of hijinks was was really kind of fun. Um, I I got a really big kick out of the Antarctican and uh and how she fit her race fits into the world and how they're the um the kind of behind all of the uh conspiracies in the world. It's it's a really interesting world, but all said and done, it never quite gets past its its it never takes the it never gets that moment to shine outside of one weird episode out of the entire show. The rest of it kind of always feels like it's right there on the cusp of the, the this big joke that it never quite lands. Yeah, I kind of agree on that on that, on that sense. And it's so funny because as much as I really liked the the final punchline in the story uh, of the backstories that they were kind of telling with the the camps and stuff, the beginning of that episode was really rough. I mean, it was just tons of exposition from uh, Sasu just just blabbing on about this frog guy, and I'm going. I really don't care. I hope there's something to this. And it starts going into the frog guy going over to some location. It's like, what are we, what exactly are we doing? And then it kind of really hits the later parts. And it's like, okay, now it's getting really dark. And then it hits the punchline. It's like, okay, that was really, really cool. I don't think you started off very well, but you did something <laughs> cool with that. Um, I guess, I guess that's the, 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 the problem that most of it has. I, I do agree with you on the, the comedy. I, I think it just lies in the fact of it being whole liners. Um, for those that don't know Whole Liners Animation League, it's it's one it's a company that we've been dealing with for a while now. It does a lot of J- uh, Chinese adaptations and stuff like is that. Is this like their fourth or fifth show now? Uh, I want to say about fourth of just like them dead on. But I mean, we've we've had a lot of issues with them. It was like in um, the Hotori no Shita, we had a problem with. Uh, we tried cheating craft, and there was a lot of shows we tried with them. But they either fall in the realm of just not being well animated or the problem that I always run into them is that they always feel slow. Like they, they just, it just seems like they put in extra frames or something because every time there's a punchline or somebody's building up to a punchline, there's always like this pause. And it just feels like I'm constantly getting that little jerk of going, okay, go. Okay, next. Okay, move. <laughs> and it, it seems to be irrelevant here as well. But the comedy, I think, falls short because of that kind of sense. And they just don't seem to pull off the comedy well enough. There was a few points where I was, you know, I had a little smile on my face, but most of the time it was really, I got my enjoyment out of either the really kind of weird storytelling they're telling about the world they're in, or Manami and her and her little sisters. I think Manami and her little sisters were the moe part, the more moe part about the show and the heart-filled part of the show that I really liked. I didn't, I thought Hime was cute and I liked how they kind of played off her being a centaur. But most of my enjoyment probably came from Manami and, and her sisters. I think that a lot of my the cuteness and fun factor was kind of mixed in with them. So it's it's a really hard it's a really hard show to kind of uh, give my sense on just because it is all over the place. Um, in the end, it's not that I didn't get much out of the show because there was some really cool episodes kind of mixed in there. Um, I think just overall, it's just one of those shows that's kind of like 
I'm I'm really mixed on. I I really have no. Um, I can't really say to rush out and watch it because I'm just so mixed on it, and I had so many misgivings and how slow it kind of felt. So I, I do say that it was probably no doubt Holeliner's best animated series that they've done so far. <laughs> but that's not really saying much because most of the shows are garbage. Uh, but it still kind of suffers here and there with kind of the wonky character designs. Uh, the, the niece centaur constantly shrinks like every now yes, and then they, they put lot. her in the car and she was literally the size of a baby. And it was like, well, she's not that small. Uh, it was always, it was always fun kind of pointing out like when she, when she lifted her up on, on her, in her arm, it was like, what happened to half her body? <laughs> uh, it's kind of fun. But yeah. Any final thoughts on that one? I mixed mixed i'm mixed i like the little jab they made at art that was i did i did get a kick out of that because i i have the the way that they were talking about art was like i had the same feeling about art so i'll just leave that to people that watch it but yeah that's uh a centaur's life next we have is gamers this one is streaming on country raw ran for 12 episodes done by studio pine jam the source is a light novel genres are comedy romance school and this one basically follows the boy, a boy named Amano. He is a huge gamer geek. He loves gaming. Um, he goes to school, and he is quickly kind of spotted by a girl that's very popular in the school named Tindo. And Tindo knows that he's a gamer and wants him to join her uh, little gaming club because she has a little club that they they get together and they train at like fighting games, shooting games for competitive uh, reasons. And so she invites him over, shows him, and he feels very welcome there. He meets everybody. Um, and then he kind of just says, no, I don't want to join your club because I, I like to play games my own way, my own pace. I don't like to compete. I like to just enjoy games, not basically play them as a sport or, uh, you know, training in it. It doesn't feel like it's fun kind of thing. Um, and this kind of just spurs this whole thing of misunderstandings because the way that they kind of presented that whole scene was that he was essentially rejecting her uh, and sh- that she was confessing to him and he rejected her. And so everybody starts having these huge misunderstandings. Uh, he is met by a name, a boy named Iohara. And Iohara is a past gamer and he wants to kind of help him out with the situation. And he's met by his his girlfriend, Agari. And other people that kind of gets mixed in with it. It's essentially a thing of they meet people do these misunderstandings and then other people have misunderstandings about that meeting. And I would say probably 95% of this entire show is misunderstanding jokes. So if you don't like misunderstanding jokes, you're probably going to get frustrated by this show. I... I heck, I kind of disagree because I usually dislike the misunderstanding trope. So... Just, just throwing it out there. Okay, um, but ninety-five percent of it is pretty much a misunderstanding joke, in my opinion. Um, but what was cool about it, and you didn't let me get to, is that even though I hate that misunderstanding joke as well, I, it's, it's one of those things that whenever time they do it, I go, okay, just talk already, and then they pull a punchline that makes you just laugh. It, I, I mean, this is one of those shows that I was constantly laughing out loud, and that's quite a surprise. It was, it was one of those shows that. It should rub me the wrong way, but it doesn't. And I think a lot of that is kind of helped by the fact that you have, you know, you have the straight man in, in uh, Iohara. He's usually the straight man in the, in the joke. He's 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 literally like you as a watcher watching a show with a main protagonist who is completely clueless. So, like, you're yelling at the dither, like, 
dude, seriously, you don't get this girl likes you kind of thing. He's that character. So he's literally, as you're saying it, he's saying it. And that's a lot of my, a lot of my enjoyment kind of comes out of that. But it just, it does, it does the comedy so well, even though I am probably uh, blowing it out of proportion with 95% being misunderstandings because the comedy is just executed so well. It always has the nuances in the environment that add to the humor. I think I mentioned in our first impressions, there's this whole moment where, uh, these two characters are kind of at odds with each other and everybody knows that they're at odds with each other. So the moment there's kind of a sign that they're going to go at each other again, somebody just bolts out the door, like a random extra just runs out the door of the classroom. It's just stuff like that. That's kind of mixed into there. Um, that really kind of gives it a lot of flavor and to have a cast that is very much so enjoyable, enjoyable. Tendo is hilarious because she's head over heels for the main character and, you just want her to be happy because she's just in love and she cannot handle herself anymore. It's 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 adorable in the way that it pulls it off. Iwahara being uh, just the straight man and constantly frustrated with how relationships are going. Uh, Aguri is just adorable and she's one of the best girls of the season. Uh, just fighting with Tendo there. <laughs> <laughs> Even though there's some in other shows that I, I really love as well. But in this show, they're just, they're just fantastic. Um, Hoshinomori... I struggled with her at first, but she definitely came into the fold towards the later part of it. But it's just a really fun, enjoyable cast. And even with a dither like Amano, he is he's a likable as well. And also uh, relatable. A lot of the characters in the show are relatable because they're gamers and we're gamers. And so a lot of the conversations they have about gaming, I, I feel like I'm there talking to some friends about gaming and i love that aspect of it especially like the last episode it's like they're talking they're trying to explain to one of the characters why gamers you know spend the money they do into gaming and it's it's one of those moments you're like but this and then they explain it in some way you're like yeah what he said (laughs) it was just it was a fun little episode i think it was probably one of my favorite uh final episodes for a quote-unquote harem type looking show um definitely not a harem show but Everybody thinks it's a harem show because everybody thinks that Amano's like some big playboy with 50 million girlfriends. Uh, sorry, go ahead. This show is an absolute mess, and I love it for it. I I love how it 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 just the like Andrew was saying the misunderstandings they're just all over the place, and it's like at first it was like like uh, like we kind of said we don't really care for the misunderstanding uh, thing. And so at first we almost it was almost this moment of okay this is getting kind of old that everybody but at some point we just kind of went with it and and from that point on the rest of the show was just okay this is just stupid the absurdity of the the misunderstandings become more and more outrageous and it was just like I want to see these guys kind of figure it out, but at the same time, this mess is just so beautiful. I love it. Um, but the only thing that I would have to say, if I had a beef with the show, is I didn't think it looked all that great. I, I felt like the character art was kind of off a lot, and I don't tend to get... A- agitated by that very often but it it did seem like this was this show had that in a lot i think it was more prevalent in the last episode too which kind of sucked because there was a lot of really cute moments in there as well so it it, it, it kind of dampered a little bit uh having that off modelness but yeah kind of kind of agree there but um yeah it's it's just uh it is one of those things where a lot of comedies they kind of just don't really work too hard with the animation so it's 
it kind of comes with it. But yeah, but yeah, a lot of a lot of really great moments in there. I I I think we mentioned it before, but I really really love the um, speaking of the whole misunderstanding things. Just the whole. It was one of the earlier episodes, probably three or four. They have this whole moment where everybody's in the classroom together, and there's they're having this head to head between Amano and Tendo again. And everybody's thinking everybody's cheating on everybody, and they're trying to look at each other to make to see if how they react to the situation, <laughs> to see if they're looking guilty. And they're just all staring at each other with the most goofy looking faces, and thus they <laughs> all think each other are looking, you know, guilty, uh, guilty, yeah. And I, we were just we were just laughing out loud. It was you. Great. You have it on the list, but I have to admit, I loved the game of life. The game of life was epic. <laughs> it was too true. It was too true. You had another child, and everybody's looking at him like, "How dare you?" <laughs> oh yeah, and it had a lot of had a lot of really heartfelt moments in there as well, like getting into Uihara and how he met Agudi. Um, Agudi getting upset at a friend because of what they were saying about. Um, otaku's stuff like that was just kind of every now and then they throw this little heart in there. Um, Tendo's episode was really cool too. Her little backstory or her, how her life changed. <laughs> yes. That was great. Uh, but yeah, I definitely recommend if you're looking for comedy and you're okay with misunderstandings. And even if you're not okay with the misunderstandings, you might find that the punchlines are makes it worth it because that's definitely what we kind of came out of it with. So yeah. Any final thoughts on gamers? I loved it. Highly suggested. Well, Chris, tell us about Restaurant to Another World. Oh, Restaurant to Another World. Or do you want me to open it like I usually do? <laughs> restaurant to Another World, do you want to do, you might want to do the... the That's why I said do you want me to open yeah, it. Yeah, probably better do that. <laughs> restaurant to Another World, or Isekai Shokodo, uh, streaming on Crunchyroll Iron for 12 episodes, done by Studio Silverlight. The source is a mo- uh, light novel, I almost said manga. The source is a light novel. And it basically follows the Neko, what was it called? The Neko Para? Not Neko Para. That's <laughs> not Neko Para at all. Neko something. Come on, Chris. You watched the entire show. You know what the name of it is? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, but yes, I, I do know it was Neko something. <laughs> Neko Yeah. Neko Yeah. It's a restaurant called Neko Yeah. And what's odd about this restaurant is that it's kind of like with in between two different dimensions like the regular human world comes there during the day and has their food um but there's this door also goes to different locations in this fantasy world and these it seems like it only pops up once a week yeah satur on the day of satur which different, probably be saturday <laughs> in different locations it just pops up and people can enter the door and they arrive in this modern time looking restaurant and this guy cooks them food that they have never seen before because he's been to the modern times and has all these different recipes um, and availability of, you know, stuff for the food that, you know, these people would probably normally ever, never, ever see. Like people are way, way from the sea and they're getting shrimp kind of looks a little weird. Um, but yeah, different people from this fantasy world walk in the door and I kind of put it in the first impressions and you might disagree. It might have changed at some point, but it really turns into a show about what that door means to each of these people that kind of enter it. So. Tell us yeah. about restaurant. Yeah, world. pretty much is what it, what it turns into. It, it, it continues down the line is how the 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 um, the restaurant affects each one of these people and and kind of their little story that that happens. I almost want to call it a um, one of those healing shows. It kind of is just chill. There's nothing. Yeah, one or two of the characters has kind of a dramatic life, and so. Um, but it's not necessarily that that is the focus of the show. It's m- more a focus of them coming into the restaurant and eating a, eating a meal. What kind of meal are they going to get? 
and um that is kind of course there is the the quote-unquote food porn aspect where they go they eat this meal and oh my gosh it's the greatest meal ever and so that's why they want to keep coming back to this restaurant um so what kind of makes this show shine for me is i think more along the lines of these character stories it it is kind of hit and miss. Some of the stories are like, nah, I can move on with my life and and not really care. Some of the stories were kind of cool. And one of the things that I think really made the show shine for me was towards the end, it started kind of tying the stories together. And I want to say that it probably ended just before it got to this really big point where a lot of these stories were really trying, truly starting to come together. Um, so I just feel like I missed the good part, and and maybe that's kind of the manga baitish or light novel baitish type thing of it. Is although it did, it it never really felt like we were getting a chapter per se. And when when me and Andrew talk about the manga bait ending, it's it's the do we get the chapter end or do we get this kind of drop off? I don't want to make it seem like this is a drop off. It just felt like I was starting to get to the point where all these stories were starting to intertwine and I was getting something interesting that you could only see from the restaurant's perspective per se. Um, But at the same time, it felt like I I, I should have gotten to this next part, which would have been really interesting. So in one one respect, I'm a little frustrated at that. In another respect, I, I real, still really like the way this show ended all said and done. Um, but it that's really kind of what it is for me. It, it, it's an interesting little tidbit of story for each one of these characters. And they come, come in and they eat a really awesome meal. New character, interesting story, and then an awesome meal. That's what this show is. All right. That's Restaurant to Another World, or Isekai Shokudo. Next one we have is Made in Abyss. Yay, it's time. It's time for Andrew to give no justice to the show that I want to give a lot of justice to. Um, Made in Abyss, this one streamed on Amazon, ran for 13 episodes, with a finale being one hour long, so that was cool. Uh, so it's basically 14 episodes. The studio is Kinema Citrus. The source is a manga. These dramas are sci-fi, adventure, drama, fantasy. And this one uh, takes place at this location that they call the Abyss. It's this large hole that is just kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And people have built living quarters around the hole uh, because people are drawn to enter the Abyss and get the artifacts that are within it because the artifacts are just not of the... It seems like they're not of the world. Um, So we join Rico, who is part of this orphanage of, of children that are kind of orphaned living there. But the weird thing about the orphanage is that to make money to keep the doors open, they send the orphans to the very beginning areas of the abyss to uh, to try to find artifacts that might still be there, even though most of them are gone. Because you know that's the the, the that's the first level. You get not, there's no difficulty in the first level. Um, and so she's getting there, and she uh, when we start the show, she runs into this monster that is attacking her and her friend. And this beam of light comes out of nowhere, and she finds this robotic boy from its source, and he's knocked out. She takes her, him back to the orphanage, and they discover this might be some kind of weird artifact, um, and he's like this robotic boy. Uh, the odd things about this world is that the, uh, the abyss itself 
is claimed to draw people within it, and there is this curse about it that they kind of keep hitting on on a regular basis. And this curse basically means that the further you go down into the abyss, there's certain layers. And if you return from that layer, you get racked with a different type of sickness or curse from the abyss. So if you're in the earlier areas and you come back up, you might feel a little nauseous. If you go a little bit further down, you might start hallucinating. Uh, that's the kind of the, the curse of the abyss within itself or the abyss sickness that they kind of talk about. Um, but yeah. So that's the way the kind of the things kind of start out. Uh, you quickly learn that uh, Rico has a mother who was one of these white whistles who went down to uh, the more deeper aspects of the abyss, and she never returned, um, and she's claimed to be dead. But Rico believes that she's still alive and wants to go see her, and so Rico and Regu decide to go um, see if they can get deep enough to find her mother, and that's basically the gist of things. Oh, I, I so don't know how far I want to go into this, but uh, to kick things off, um, animation-wise, visually, I love this show. It has a different style to it. It's very, uh, the characters are very chibi-looking. They have very wide heads, um, kind of gives it a little more uh, cutesy look to it. And the environments themselves are very beautifully drawn and put together. I think this is probably one of my favoritely animated, artistic, and beautiful shows of the season. I just, I love the aesthetic of it. Uh, visually, do you want to speak in it now before I move on? I think that the, um, I, I agree with Andrew. It, it absolutely is a masterpiece as far as visuals. I, I think that one of the cool things that comes out of the kind of, um, chibi-ish fa- uh, fashion that they do with these characters in what it does is it makes the contrast versus the kind of more darker tones, um, it makes those contrasts feel a lot more um, uh, exaggerated. So yeah, it gives it kind of a uh, it brings up the innocent nature of the characters, right? Which is really cool because I think Rico was was definitely a character that I love in the idea that she did seem like she was innocent, but at the same time she was really smart. I mean, she was she was not an idiot. She was she wasn't a fool. She knew her stuff. She knew the, she knows the nature. She knows what she's kind of going after. Uh, which was was kind of a treat to have that kind of contrast with the animation with what was kind of dealing with. Well, one uh, of the neat things that that really kind of makes it kind of stand out more, uh, if if you can get to the point where you see uh, Rico and Regu in front of Ozen, Ozen is a more kind of taller character, even though huge. She she just stands out and she becomes imposing to these other characters. That is kind of one of the things that makes makes that contrast stand out real, really a lot. Yeah. Um so I I guess my first thing that I love most about the show is I love the I love the character interactions. The 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 characters are very charming. They 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 work their their chemistry between each other is fun. They have some really cute little spits back and forth, comedy that's kind of thrown back and forth here and there. Um but I think the sense of adventure is probably one of those phenomenal aspect of the show just feeling like going down to the abyss with these characters um but i think i'm trying to think of what i want to hit first <laughs> um i guess i can leave you with the, the you have the agreement there the essence of adventure going into the steps and and discovering yeah, things is I, a huge part of it the the nature that's within the world yeah i i think that one of the thing one of the other things that i think that that kind of stood out to me was the the sense of how much thought went into every detail of this world 
it felt like not just one and and it very well could have been one person that wrote this entire thing. I'm not I'm not discounting. It feels like an entire team went into this. It it, it feels like somebody who knows at least survivalist skills knows knows a lot about uh, botany knows knows things about um, how creatures work what what kinds of things you take into consideration when hunting things a lot of those things went, feels like they went into the making of this world uh, just enough to give them the knowledge so that they can create something. And that is such a fascinating thing. Yeah. It's funny because it, it's, it's believable at the same time. It's, it's fantasy. Like it, it's, it's everything looks different than our world. Everything is uh, kind of compiled differently, but it all kind of shares laws that we would normally say, yeah, there's a plant that actually does that. So it does kind of fit. Um, so it's, it's laws within things are are not of our world kind of thing. So it works well in that regard. But I think the the thing that I love most about the show is that it has a dark nature to it, but I like that it's a dark nature that kind of feels like it's of it it fits. It's not forced. It is kind of something they kind of deal with. Like when they talk about the the abyss sickness, it's kind of like a it's there. We might run into it, but it's something we have to deal with. Or you introduce Ozen and everything that Ozen kind of lays out to uh, or reveals to Rico and Regu, and it's it's all stuff that is it feels like crap. This is really really dark, but at the same time, it's like it doesn't it doesn't do it perversely. It doesn't do it without meaning or purpose. It's kind of like this is life. This is what we're dealing with. What are we going to do going from here? And I really appreciate. It. And, and later on, it gets even worse, but it never feels like it's gore porn it never feels like it's dark for the sake of being dark it's always like okay this is this happened what are we going to do kind of thing and i really really appreciate that going through it i can agree <laughs> no it it does it it, it dances that line it's mature of, about it yeah it dances that line of darkness pretty well it does it does feel like it drags a scene or two out here and there but it's just right there at that edge so i can forgive it a little bit but it does it does everything that does happen even if it is kind of dark it does have an impact that's what i can give it is like i it's it's hard because the more darker scenes that i would want to talk about are in the latter episodes and and ozen is probably about as close to the point of which we would go okay now you're getting into spoiler territory. So Ozen is pretty much the example of where you would feel as far as its darkness can can, can get to. Um, though, it, like Andrew said, it does feel like it gets darker at later episodes. It's just that you will definitely feel the level of how serious that this show is. And when you get to the Ozen level, does that make sense? Yeah, and, that, and that's really what I love about it because it, it opens up being very fun. It's very uh, let's go on an adventure kind of thing, and then you get to Ozen, and it's like, okay, um, things are getting kind of really serious at this point. Like this, this there is there. It feels like it's very weighted. There's a lot of weight to the situation. Um, but even then, I, it's like, 
love Ozen like to death. Well, like there's well, so no. many characters in the show that I just absolutely love. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not uh I'm not trying to down uh, make Ozen seem like a bad character. I love that character. No, I'm just jumping ahead. Oh, I what I'm what I'm trying to say is it, it if you get into the first episode and you watch it and you go, okay, this is, I don't understand. What is Chris and Andrew talking about? This doesn't make any sense. This is a fluffy, fun show. And and we're trying to go, no, 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 no. Get to Ozen. Understand what this show is. Because you will see the seriousness of this show. How how each one of these things are and how... Um, how much weight can you ha- have in the show? And then when you, you you'll see what we're talking about, and then you can go all the way to the end, and you can see this kind of dark part that that me and Andrew are talking about. Yes, everything has an impact, and I love that about this show. Um, it's eh, it's a great show. Go watch it. <laughs> I just want to hit really quickly. I, like I said before, I think Ozen is easily like on my list of favorite characters of the year. Um, Nanachi is absolutely in my list of favorite characters of the year. Uh, the way that they they put the characters into animation, the way that they portrayed them, the artistic feel of like the dark eyes of Ozen as she's yeah, like you were saying, is overimposing on them, standing over them, uh, just absolutely beautifully animated, uh, directed the voice acting sold Ozen. She sounded uh, imposing, but just, you knew that there was something else there. It was just fantastic the way that they portrayed her. Uh, Nanachi was just love. <laughs> just love. <laughs> just loved her. The way that she spoke and, and put those draws out there and don't get too close to me. The the the, the distancing that, that, that uh, Nanachi did. Uh, just absolutely love the characters and like i said earlier rico is just there's more to her than what she kind of presents at the beginning regu and uh i think regu is probably the most in the middle character but at the same time there was a lot of great moments for regu uh uh protecting riku so just a fantastic cast great story the only thing that i would kind of question is how i feel about the ending i think it was definitely a chapter close mm-hmm. but at the same time it is the most like not, I don't want to say worse. Uh, the most strongest taste of manga bait I have felt in years, probably since Noragami, in the idea that I want more of this. I just I I bleed for more of this. I want more Made in Abyss. So it's like I need to figure out where it's at in the manga. I need to start picking up the manga just because I love the characters. I love the, what they were doing here, and I want more of it. So it's not a bad manga bait. It's just a, I want more, and that's more testament to how great the show was than anything, so. Well, also, the music is fantastic. I loved how whenever something would be emotional be happening or it's showing, like, this big vista that they're going into, it always had, like, this music playing that had these fantastic vocals going on during it. Just, it increased the mood, like, tenfold. It was, it was brilliant. At least Maruduk is, is, is safe. Yep, yep. The trap is safe. The trap is safe. Uh, I, I, this is another one of those ones where it's like I feel like I'm not going to do the show justice, um, other than the gush, 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 gush. But uh, it's, it's definitely, I could, I can easily say probably my favorite overall of the entire season, um, and it would probably be um, fighting for the best of the the year for me. So, agree, disagree. Um, whether or not it's the best of the year, I don't know. Season. 
Uh, possibly. Oh, you got. You're gonna have to give me. I'm gonna have to consider a list. Here. I'm gonna have to consider all shows before I decide on that. I love all the flashbacks with the mom too. It is and definitely one of the tops. That is for sure. The flashbacks of the mom and a certain character. I'm, I'm tricking people here by not revealing exactly what's happening. But the flashbacks of the mom and showing her interaction with another character was just, just heartwarming. I, I loved it. Good stuff. So much good stuff in that show. I, I want it on Blu-ray now. Sentai film works. Get on it. I know you have it. Give it to me. Uh, and it's so funny because it was one of those shows that a lot of people complained about the animation dropping off. And I do agree that at some point in, like, the first quarter, it does get that whole thing of, like, you know, still characters flying around because they were basically using the little uh, extendo arm to kind of go to different locations. So they were using a still to kind of slide the character across the screen. And I can agree with that. But it was one of those shows that when I hear that kind of complaint and then I watched like there was uh, what was it episode 11 or so they were kind of showing this. The characters are kind of climbing underneath this sheet. I'll just say that. And the way the characters were moving around, I paused and I told Chris, this is where I hate when people complain so much about the animation here because this right here looks beautiful. The way the characters are moving around, their faces are turning and it's all animated. I am in love with this scene and how simple the scene is but how well it's animated well what that i mean that scene had a lot of things going for it i mean not only did it have cool little things that were it was working natural for, reveals too it, 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 well it, i i i'm when it when it comes to visually i i'm i'm seeing uh certain characters hair each one of the strands of that hair going down and i'm like i'm drooling at the same time andrew's pointing out this other thing that he likes about it and i'm like I agree. That looks great. But what about this? And I'm like, <laughs> I just like how it was, that scene also was kind of just naturally explaining something to you yeah. without it feeling like it's you know, you know, just blah 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 blah. Uh, anyways, let's move on. Mid and abyss. <laughs> move on. Uh, next one we have is Classroom of the Elite or Yokoso Jitsu Rokyo. Uh, Shijo. By the way, Shugi. in Made of the Abyss. <laughs> Yokoso Jitsu Roko Shijo Shugi no Kyoshitsu I. <laughs> Actually, comes up like Welcome to the Classroom of the Lead or something like that because there's Yokoso on the beginning. Anyways, this one streamed on Crunchyroll around for 12 episodes, done by Studio Lursh. Source is a light novel, and these genres are comedy, romance, school, drama. I don't remember it any of those things being in there except for maybe drama in school <laughs> but okay <laughs> somebody convinced andrew to save it hey it was one of those shows that when we did the first impressions i was like something put a huge what we do of course is we watch like three or four episodes and then we do our first impressions up, uh, thing and sometimes we will drop off some shows that we're not feeling and the problem that this show had was that it kind of left on a very bad stink that andrew does not like which is the character who looks like a nice person but has that dark side and it was it was like at the very last bit of the episode so it was like that's making that difficult to go back to but there was a lot in there that i wanted to get into so let me let me open things up this one uh takes place at koto ikusai senior high school and it's this very prestige and elite class that basically anybody that comes there uh they are given given points that they can use to spend to buy anything they need and they're taken care of, and anybody that leaves that school will get immediately into to work or immediately go to universities. I mean, they get their basically their choice because it's such a premier uh, school to go to. 
We follow uh, Ayano Kyoji, and he's kind of a, a very emotionless character. He doesn't really have, he's not very eccentric. He keeps himself. He's very quiet. He's calm and collective, I would, I guess is the best way to put it. And he starts going to school. He gets put into class D. And the thing about class D is that they are kind of the ones that are looked down upon by the rest of the classes. They are like on the lowest end of the totem pole. Uh, they are usually the misfits, people that just barely got in there, I guess. Um, and he seems to be the similar case because he he got enough points to barely get into there, and there is kind of a shock as to how he pulled that off. Um, it's almost like he 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 was so terrible it was perfect <laughs> in a way. Um, but anyways, uh, in this class, they they quickly find out that essentially the worst that the class does, um, or any students in the school, if they do bad, it goes against their class, and their classes are ranked against the other classes, and the points you get at the end of the month depends on that. So. Essentially, right off the bat, I guess it's not really that much spoiler because it's the first three episodes. They do terrible, and uh, thus they get no points that month, and that is a huge thing to them. And so they had to kind of figure out how to work together to uh, not starve. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. I don't know if they ever mentioned that they will let them starve, but I guess they would. They could. Um, but anyways, so essentially, it's about these classrooms that are basically at odds with each other because their livelihood and enjoyment and free roaming in, in school depends on their class's capabilities and we're of course pinned with the worst class of them all so good luck getting them all together yeah um this show and like i said is the one thing that kind of brought me back to the show was that i liked how clever the characters were there was a lot of really cool smart things that were kind of mixed in there you have like a character who is uh being charged for beating the crap out of a couple other kids and so they have to figure out how they can you know gain that person from being penalized because essentially if somebody in their class gets penalized they will get penalized if they get expelled they will get points off in this their, their class so they're kind of forced to work together but there's also a sense of some people maybe wanting to work together to help somebody so there's always this mixture of what gain do you have in this what what what, what, what do we have to gain from helping this person? Should we just let them go because it will help us in the end? That kind of thing was constantly going. It was, it was strategy within the class trying to figure out what they want to do with each situation. And that kind of follows throughout the, the show. You have an issue comes about. They try to solve it. Issue comes about. They try to solve it in a way that will, will get them gain. Or they have some uh, tests coming up. How are they going to study for it? Some don't want to study. Some just want to quit. And they're constantly having to work with each other. And so that was a, a pretty cool aspect of the show, the tactics they were kind of pulling out. Um, I think a lot of my enjoyment probably comes in from uh, Ayano Koji, who is the main character. I I usually, and this is funny, because there's two archetypes, in, or actually te technically three archetypes in this show that I normally hate. And somehow they pulled them off well. Ayano Koji is basically the, he seems like a robot, but he's pulled off so well in that he's just calm, collective, and smart. He he's he's kind of scary, brilliant because that's that's kind of his thing. He's he's there's everybody's trying to figure out what is his deal. How is he so smart? He never likes to try to take uh, credit for things, and I really like that aspect of him. He was an enjoyable character, and I liked his kind of constant. I wouldn't say it's wits and and comebacks. It's more of a thing of he just kind of responds to them, which helps because the rest of the show gets melodramatic at times. So I, I think he helps balance it out. Horikta, she is the um, 
I, I want to distance myself from everybody uh, kind of character. And I usually don't like that character. I would I point out like, uh, who is it, her name? Yoshiko or whatever her name is from uh, Snafu, the long hair girl. Uh, Utaha from, um, well, I guess she wasn't really. It is Snafu. <laughs> I mean, this show is Snafu. Yeah, I guess the, it has. It has the, uh, n- 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 that would insinuate that Kushida is is somebody else, which that is blasphemy. Uh, Kushida is the the bumbling Yankee girl, and she and there's there's the character that has the other side to them, which you know usually don't like, but they didn't they didn't stick on it, and that was why it didn't hurt the show. So I think the the thing about the show is that it has a good cast to it. Um, they have archetypes to them but there's more to the characters than, than just the archetype and that always helps it transcend from that um and like i said i, I enjoy the 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 tactics that they kind of pull together with their own archetypes um i think the only kind of stain to the show well actually there's two main stains to the show uh the later arc felt very melodramatic the characters started getting really stupid with how they were reacting to situations um a lot of the characters were becoming unbelievable. It, it has <laughs> the weirdest thing about the show is that it seems like they just joined the school, but it feels like B, C, B, and A all have like their hierarchies built from day one. It doesn't make any sense because they all came to they should have all came to school at the same time, unless I missed something. But it feels like every one of the other classes has hierarchies. They have like royalty built up within them. Uh, the characters' types are just. Why is this guy that looks like he's you know a twenty eight year old bouncer in a class of high school kids? It doesn't he doesn't quite fit the world that we're kind of in right now, and that kind of hurts the believability of you know the strategy and stuff that they're kind of playing out. Um, and the last arc I think felt like I said get, gets melodramatic. They they have like this whole arc about somebody stealing panties, and thus everybody wants to break up the band and basically fail the test by doing that all because they suspect that one of the boys stole panties and it's like really we're doing this like we're spending this much time on this can we move on because you're ruining everything you've kind of built up with this really crappy little thing you're doing here um and then it kind of ends on like the last episode having half an episode to introducing stuff that's coming up so it feels like this is like light novel bait to the extreme. Nothing really. They don't even finish a class year. Uh, they just introduce a lot of th- stuff that's coming up, and there's very little kind of resolve besides them finishing one test. So there is that kind of huge stain on it. In the end, I enjoyed it. Um, it had some really cool strategic moments that the characters kind of played out. I like the characters that were in the show. Um, Ishinose is best girl, and I love her to death. She was. She's basically. Um, uh, I forget what her voice actress was, but I love her voice. Um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Out of stupid curiosity, um, it has romance up there for a random reason. Um, I'm going to assume it's the love triangle between those three, or no? Like I said, that none of those things up there, but drama in school really are effect. Oh, okay. I, I I didn't get really comedy out of the show. There was. There was this the witty com- uh, snap back and forth between the characters that you can get a chuckle out of, but it's not a comedy show. Um, there really is no romance in the show. You can get the element of crushes happening because somebody helps somebody. Um, there was this whole thing with Sakura. I think she was adorable too. 
um, where she kind of gets a little bit of romance going with her, but it's not it's not a romance show. It's not like you're gonna say this was in the when you go to do your best shows of the year, you're not gonna say this is gonna be a romance area because there's not enough romance in it. So okay, um, yeah. I just thought of something else. Totally oh, worst pull episode ever. <laughs> I got to get that out of the way. And it was funny because I checked online. I, I, I went up checking our forums and checking what other people were saying. It's like everybody else would say the same thing. I'm like, oh, good. I'm not alone. That was like probably the worst pull episode. Now, the show has great fan service. I will say that. Um, the characters are cute. They they do a lot of, you know, uh, etchy kind of ish shots of characters. And they do a lot of pull scenes with the characters. And I think they it looks good whenever it does that kind of stuff. Um, visually it looks good, but the pull episode was the worst because it, it was spinning like most of that entire pull episode with the stupid characters that were doing the whole cobop or, uh, covert op thing of going into the, the girl's, uh, changing room and planting cameras. And it was like, you're ruining the entire pull episode with this stupid covert op thing. Get over it. Go back to the cute girls in the swimsuits. Is Ayano yeah. Kuchi, is he a, a perv? No, Anna Koji, he's not, no. I'm saying the there's like these side characters that are in their class that was doing it, so they're not even important uh, enough for you to put them so in the So they list. they stopped they stopped following Ayana Koji as the main character. Well no, he was in the pool area with the girls and at the same time you keep getting shots of these random boys that are in the class that are trying to covert op in there and, and do that. Uh, this is this is Losing me so much more. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. It's that it, the it, it it feels like it's bouncing all over the place. The way you're describing it. And no, it was I, just one episode. The pull episode that was it. Well, I know. And the panning I, thing I, was in within their whole. They had they went to an island. They have to kind of survive there. And like I said, it just kind of broke the immersion of it with this really stupid kind of spout that was happening. But it in the end, it technically wasn't a big deal, but it felt like it was taking way too much time. I guess so. I, I like the point system too. I, I, I think they didn't do enough with it, but every now and then whenever they reveal the point system and how they were using it, it felt really cool. The like, point system. They, they, they lay out like early on that technically you can buy anything with this and you can, you could say no, that, that technically isn't a thing, but it, every now and then it kind of does something with that. That's like, wow, cool. I like how that was kind of pulled off. Yeah, the point system. I mean, you know, especially with the the quote unquote um, fix the problem that happened in what was it episode three, um, which I think is where I where I ended up dropping off. It, it was really cool idea and how they used that to kind of affect the outcome of what they are dealing with, and that that was a neat thing. The 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 issue that I see. I kind of liked how heavy the 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 entire show kind of felt in and I would agree that it has to be a drama. Now, when you say that um it became melodramatic, that is kind of the 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 thing where I'm I'm like, well, isn't that kind of the point of the first few episodes at least? I mean, when you're you're talking panties and co- covert ops into um, school locker rooms, I kind of, you kind of lose me mostly in the aspect of, okay, what was it that kind of drew me into it originally? The, what drew me into it was this really neat idea of causing this drama. If these kids want to be there, they joined this school, which is supposed to be the most prestigious school. 
that will turn out the most prestigious uh, candidates at the end. Well, it's not all as uh, butterflies and, and, and rainbows. You, you actually will go through hell to get to the end. Now, if we're talking about panties and, um, and, and covert ops, that kind of, well, okay, what is this show really about? Does that make sense? Right. For the most part, the show is serious. It's always these characters aiming to do something. So it's 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 practically serious with the entire show, except for one pull episode where it's, it tries to be funny, I guess, and it just doesn't work out. And even still, it, it tried to throw in some uh, some knowledge about the hierarchies of certain classes in the middle of all that stuff. But it was really kind of a throwaway episode. And I really didn't like it. And that's why I hated it so much. Uh, the panty thing was really kind of a here is a serious setting. They're trying to survive in this location and why I say melodramatic is because there's this one stupid thing that happens and everybody makes a – they blow it out of proportions. That's why when I call something melodramatic, it's when it's something that's normally drama, but they blow it out of proportions and they get overly accentuate and they, 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 they blow love, things out of they, proportions. They get to love pun levels? Love pun. Execute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, pretty close there. Um but it was really like a let's let's destroy everything over this really stupid little thing, and it got it got really stupid really quickly, and there really is no point to it. But it, they do it anyway. So, but anyhow, but besides the that little segment of melodramatic and the character archetypes being a little bit out of proportion to the setting with the you know the bouncer guy and stuff like that, it has a lot of really smart stuff in there. The dialogue's pretty fun and smart, and I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. I think the only big stink in it is that. It doesn't really leave it on a really good note. It it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But, I mean, looking back at it now, it's like, I don't really care anymore. It's like a shrug thing. <laughs> but, yeah. Customer of the, really, of the Elite. Check it out if any of that sound interesting to you. Uh, next we have is Princess Principle. This one streamed on Amazon. Ran for 12 episodes. Uh, done by Studio Actus and Studio 3 Hertz. The source is an original. And the genres are action. And this one follows, uh, it takes place in the kingdom of Albion, uh, this place that actually got this very valuable resource called Cavorite. And at some point, the commonwealth of the kingdom started getting upset about the ruling class. And so this big kind of uh, uh, civil war kind of happens within the nation. It gets separated and they create this big wall that divides the two of them, kind of like Berlin Wallish kind of stuff. Um, and so it kind of takes place where we follow, uh, this team of spies that are sent by the Commonwealth to kind of try to, they're enacting this plan they call, uh, Operation Changeling. Yes. And they're supposed to go in and basically try to take out the, the rulers within it. Um, and you call, you follow Ainge, who is this one of these spies, and, uh, they quickly meet and bring into the team, basically get led in the team by, uh, this the fourth princess of the kingdom of Albion, and they come to an agreement that basically he may will this princess will help Ainge and the rest of these spies uh, help them out in return that they will help her become the next queen. Like she's she's fourth in line, she's not going to get up there anytime soon. So she wants to help them in return. They will put her into uh, rulership, basically. So. They come to that agreement, and so they do these little uh, acts of spy to try to uh, help forward that whole movement and Operation Changeling. So, yeah. Your thoughts starting out since I talked way too much earlier? <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> um, I 
I I I really do love um, a lot of these characters. They are um, each in individually have these really interesting stories, um, interesting quirks about them, and they all work together. They have some decent chemistry in between each one of them. Um, my I guess my kind of real beef with this show, if I was to say anything, is I do believe it kind of got it kind of stalls out at a certain point. It, it, it gets to a point where it's trying to be, I don't want to say serious because it it is serious. The entire show. It's not that it's, it's more along the lines of it never kind of makes that shine pop to the point. I mean, um, the, the, the episode that stands out the most to me is probably the washing machine episode. Um, it has a lot of cute girls, by the way. I don't think it had anything to do with the cuteness. It had the most amount of had, cute girls of the entire series. Yeah, I will agree on that. <laughs> but it was the most warm-hearted. It was the first time that I actually seen Hime um, outside of the the kind of um, side character that is kind of the one that pops in here and there, and she is the center of the ball. Outside of that, it it's generally Anj doing kind of missions. This was the first one where we actually seen Hime and understood kind of her motivation per se, um, that she does actually care about the people that that are in her kingdom. And that is something that kind of shined for that. The rest of it was kind of this mishmash of uh, mission after mission. So to me... It never really kind of reached its full shine, f- for lack of a better term. Um, that and that's about the only beef that I have with it, though. Um, this show, I think, excels just because I think it had a very rough start. I think the first episode uh, just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and I think that's really because it, it it kind of said a little bit too loudly what it was, and that was really cute girls doing serious things. Um, because I think it does. It's one of those things that it it. it it puts off this idea of, you know, purposely using cute girls doing really violent things for, like, some kind of kick. But I think as you watch it over time, you kind of get the sense of, no, it's really that these characters actually fit the bill of what they're trying to do. And they just so happen to be cute and uh, not old. So <laughs> put that aside and just follow it kind of thing. I But I think that first episode was a little bit too, a little bit high on the violence so that it kind of rubbed a lot of people out um, the wrong way. But I think over time, you kind of get that sense of, okay, cool. It's just really kind of, these are spies. They are serious about what they're doing. Hime is very serious about trying to help her kingdom. Ainge is really serious about trying to help uh, her purpose. Uh, Beatrice really has a devotion to Hime. Uh, Dorothy is very uh, sexy and uses her wiles to get her uh, job done. Chise is very honor-devoted into you know the samurai, stuff like that. And you get each one of them, and you kind of get the gist of them. And I like that it kind of slowly, you know, fed us each of the characters and showed how they joined the fray, or showed how they, like Beatrice, even though she already joined, how she fit into the the circle in the end. Um, I like how they hit each one of them. Each one of them basically got their own episode devoted to them, and that kind of left, you know, a good, you know, seven or so episodes to kind of figure everything else out. Um, He may probably get a little bit more devoted to her and showing her backstory. Um... I think it, I think the only thing that kind of draws me away from it is I didn't think it was a uh, as good of an ending as it could have been. 
it was a it was a it was a good solid ending but at the same time i was hoping for something a little more spectacular or something more uh with a lot more twists and turns to it because it kind of left itself open to have some really cool twists and turns the way that they presented the characters and you'll know if you watch the show what i'm talking about i don't really want to spoil things but in the end i thought it was a really great show i had a lot of had a lot of really cool action scenes. I loved Chisei's episode. It was really cool and action-filled. Um, I think it was one of those episodes where we kind of joked about the idea that, well, like, this is a really long <laughs> action scene, and I'm really kind of invested into what was kind of happening in there. Um, but it, it does a, a lot of things really well. I, I think when you're saying, yeah, you see Heart in the episode with the, the laundromat, I've seen uh, the strength of Hime from episode two and how she kind of uh, presented herself when they first met her. It was a really strong episode. So I, I think it does a lot of really cool stuff. It has a lot of really clever writing kind of mixed in there. I think it's just one of those ones that a lot of people are going to be struggling with because of its its uh, the aesthetic of the characters. I think it visually looks really wonderful. It has a really cool theme to it. It has a very, uh, you know, Londonish uh, Victorian feel to it that I really, really appreciate. A lot of steam, I want to say steampunkish, but that kind of a mixture in there as well. Um, and all that kind of stuff really comes together to some a really cool package that i really enjoyed so yeah best girl best girl uh chise probably i'm gonna have to say chise i love beatrice but i think chise uh definitely was the one that shined most when she showed up towards later part i was like yes finally (laughs) she's there (laughs) where have you been chise oh yeah Really cool. I I, I appreciate it. I, I think they did a good job for an original series. I know it's always a uh, a difficult thing for them to pull off an original that everybody's going to jump to immediately because there's no source material. People don't know what they're going to be faced with when they go into it. And I think they I think they came out with something that was really cool. And I could, I would hope to see more of this in the future. Um, I would definitely love to see them come back later on it. But see how Actus kind of makes things and disappears. <laughs> well, they did Girls on Panzer for the longest time, but they they dropped. Uh, they dropped the 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 Mecca one pretty quickly. Regalia, yeah, Regalia, that kind of disappeared really quickly. But what can you do? Um, anything else on that one? Nope. No, no. Cool soundtrack too. Uh, convenience store boyfriends. The next one we have this one or Kombini Karashi. Uh, this one streamed on Crunchyroll for twelve episodes, done by Studio Perot. Uh, sources original uh, genres are slice of life. And this one basically follows the life, it basically mostly follows uh, Haruki Mishima and uh, Toa Honda, who are kind of best friends. Um, Honda has some issues at his home, so a lot of the time he kind of stays over at Mishima's place. They're boyfriends? No. They actually hit on what the the title boyfriends, or convenience store boyfriends is way towards the end, though. That would be spoiler to kind of reveal that. Okay. It was really cute. But anyways, these two friends are going to school. Um, at some point, you kind of uh, learn that uh, Mishima has this crush on this girl named Mishiki, uh, who he got a book from back when they were like in grade school. And ever since then, he's kind of been watching her, but then he kind of fell in love with her after that, uh, mainly because through the book that she gave him, he learned his love for what he does, which is swimming. Uh, at the same time, his friend Honda gets a crush on a girl named Mihashi, who is the uh, class rep of their classroom, and she's very distanced to him, uh, or distances herself from him often because she thinks that he's just teasing her and isn't really serious and is just uh, messing with him. Um, but yeah. The kind of gist of the show is really just kind of the romance of these characters. I thought, based off the opening, that they were going to get into like this whole huge cast of characters, 
but in the end, most of the show was really taken up by Honda and Mihashi and their relationship. Um, at the same time, kind of sprinkled throughout that, you had Mishima trying to get closer to Mishiki. Um, every now and then, they kind of would sway over to some side characters that they were kind of involved with, like with the student council president and the festival they were kind of working with. But most of the most of the time, it's really to these two pairings. I I think when we were talking the first impressions, the, the, the like that I have for the show is really in the idea that it has a very uh, simple romance to it. It doesn't get too heavy with the romance. It doesn't get too stuck on misunderstandings. It's very just kind of light and fluffy, but at the same time, every now and then having conflict with the characters and how they kind of uh, express themselves to each other. Honda being able to express himself to Mihashi, even though he's very forward and very uh, crude looking, Mihashi being distanced herself because she doesn't like him as a type of boy. She's stuck in manga and believing, you know, and looking for a manga romance character type character. And of course, her issues that she has at her home. So it does get every moment now and then these conflicts within the romance, but for the most part, it's a very simple and easygoing romance. Um, Rainy Days was that the show that we watched, like 22 episodes long? Yeah, I think so. The short. I enjoyed that one for the same reasons. The very simple romance that doesn't get too heavy or get too high on the drama. And I, I appreciate it for that. So I think this one's cute. It's just got cute characters. They're having cute uh, interactions. Some drama mixed in here or there. It's not a heavy romance. It's not heavy on the drama. It was just a very simple watch with some really cute moments mixed in there. Plus, Mihashi was Ria Kajimia and she is adorable. She made the show. <laughs> and I think it got really it got really powerful towards the later parts of it. I was really surprised what they ended up doing with some of the characters because I they kind of hinted at something early on. And the way they presented it towards the later part was it it caught me off guard. I think they, they did a cool little twist there. Uh, they tugged at my heartstrings, got me teared up. So it, it, it managed to punch me in the gut towards the later parts. And I really wasn't expecting them to kind of pull that off. So well, why do you have to say all that? <laughs> I didn't want to say it because then you're like, oh crap, I should have watched it. Um, but I just watched that last episode like a couple days ago, so too late. Obviously. So, yeah. Good watch. Nothing spectacular, nothing to write home about. Uh, probably forgettable, but it, and at the same time, I, I really enjoyed my trip through it, and I think it had some really good moments kind of sprinkled out throughout it. And it's it's a simple romance that I, I usually like. I like simple romances. And you want to punch Haruki. Uh, yeah, Mishima is an idiot. <laughs> he has so many chances. He has so many chances that he keeps blowing it. And then at some point, like in a later part of it, he had me. I, I literally wanted to reach into the screen and strangle him. I was like, really, well, dude? one of the little twists that you, you told me about was like, okay, now that was left field. I wasn't expecting that one. Yeah, that one that caught me off guard. It was, it was definitely a, a shocker. Big shock. Uh, but yeah, that's a uh, convenient store of boyfriends. If you're looking for a, a, a soft romance, doesn't get too heavy. It's definitely uh, definitely one that I suggest picking up. Moving forward, we have the f- completion of Rage of Bahamut Virgin Souls. Finally, <laughs> after two cores, it's come to a completion. It's uh, Shingeki no Bahamut Virgin Souls. Streaming on Amazon, ran for 24 episodes, done by Studio Mappa. It's based off a card game from Side Games. Genres are action, adventure, dreamings, comedy, romance, magical, fantasy, every single genre possible, because usually 
action adventures have every genre possible mixed into them. Uh, I guess the first thing to kind of get out of the way is uh, if this is a sequel or not. It technically is chronologically a sequel to the original Rage of Bahamut uh, from Studio Mappa. I don't think it is heavy reliant on you watching that series, but it definitely does have callbacks. It has characters returning from the original series. Um, they will reference things that they have gone through in the past. So, But in the end, Rage of Bahamut was a fantastic series. You should watch that, definitely. I think I would argue... Um, Oh, would I argue which one's better? I love Nina so much. She makes this series, but at the same time, I think overall I had a lot more fun with the action, the goofiness of Favaro in the first season uh, more it's, than a lot of things in this season. It's very hard It's a say. really, really tough call. The only thing that I would give the first one is its brevity compared to what this is. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. The, I mean, this being 24 episodes, that one being 12 I feel like I got a, a lot more compact and 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 easier digestible show in the first one than I did in this one. And I and I almost say that that the the fact that it was twenty four episodes for this one definitely was a was definitely a down for it because it, mm-hmm. it definitely felt like at some point it felt like it was you know dragging its feet like it was like okay get to the, I, the next the next beat where are we are we accomplishing anything right now kind of thing i i i would almost say that i it felt like i was waiting for it to finish it, yeah. it, it's not it's not it's not that anything it was feels like it overstays welcome yeah exactly it's not that i could sit here and go well we need to cut out this chunk right here no yeah, I, you can't really do that with this show. It, it the st- the entire storyline felt like it was important, but it's kind of it like just... when you have a really good friend over, you haven't seen him in a long time, <laughs> and you sit down, and about like ten thirty, you're going, he, I should tell him to go home, but I don't want to be mean. But at the same time, <laughs> we're having fun, and it's like you know we're playing a game, we're having a lot of fun, but it's like I got to go to work in the morning. Really I don't want to be grumpy. <laughs> Well, let me get let me get into this though. Uh, if you haven't watched the original Rage of Bahamut series, it's basically about this gigantic Bahamut that shows up. Uh, demons, mankind, and the heavens all work together to seal it away. Uh, the first season, it basically follows Favaro as he is basically makes a pact with his demon, and they work together in order to uh, try to find her mother, and that ties into with Bahamut some way. In this season, we kind of get the what was left over, the ruins of basically what happened at the end of the original Rage of Bahamut series. You know, basically there was a huge battle. Um, powers are kind of shifting a little bit. But right off the bat, we find out there's this guy named uh, Shirios the 17th? <laughs> basically the king of the humans' kingdom. Uh, he's he's thrown his way around. He's already, he's already invaded the heavens to steal something from them. He invades the the demons. He starts enslaving the demons, um, and it seems like he's ruling over everybody with a very iron fist because he has this new technology that he discovered that allows them to disable uh, the powers of, well, basically disable people that are against them. Um, it's kind of like this weird magic they can use that will render somebody unable to move. Uh, but they use this to again attack the angels, attack the demons, enslave the demons. The demons are working for the humans, um, like slave trade, basically. Um, to build up something. We follow Nina, who just moved to the kingdom from her hometown, and she's working there at the kingdom, and eventually she meets this guy that they call the Rag Demon. Was that right? Yes. They call him Rag Demon? The Rag Demon's basically trying to free the demons that are being enslaved by the humans, 
And it kind of starts getting into this whole thing of this 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 mill area of, you know, attacking, trying to save these demons, uh, the people that are using them for their own gain, that kind of stuff that was mixing throughout that entire first part of it. And you're slowly meeting each of these characters. You're reintroduced to the characters from this first season. You're learning of this bigger picture, uh, the kind of the war between these uh, the humans and the, the demons and the, the angels once again. So that are kind of getting brewed up once again. Uh, yeah, this one, like I said, I kind of alluded to earlier. I think a lot of my enjoyment of this series came in Nina. She was a very fun character. She's very innocent. She's very pure. <laughs> and the kind of the gist with Nina is that she's part dragon and that she, if she uh, gets overly excited, usually from a, a, a handsome gentleman, uh, she would lose control of herself and turn into a dragon. <laughs> so most of the beginning parts, a lot of the humor comes in the idea that she would be uh, swooned by some guy and, and turn into a dragon and cause chaos. And that was that was a lot of fun. Um, but it, it has a lot of heart kind of mixed in there and the idea of, of, of trying to help these demons that are, are mistreated so so much and following uh, the rag demon as he's trying to use Nina to have that kind of put to stop. But yeah, it, it gets serious and a lot of serious... It kind of jumps back and forth between the comedic beats with Nina and their goofiness... Uh, the serious matter in the enslavement of these people, uh, the bad things that the king is doing. You constantly are thinking that there's obviously some reason for what he's doing what he's doing because she quickly falls in love with the king. Um, and I, I think it, it it does well in the... It's the same as Wedge of Bahamut. Wedge of Bahamut, I think, was more fun, action-y adventure for the, for the first part of it, and then later on it gets into a serious tone. This one kind of kicks off the serious tones. It kicks off. It doesn't really have that sense of adventure, but more just action and fun. And I think that was kind of one of the dampers for this one versus the first season for me. But I think it kind of meddles out in the idea that it has really great action. It has really great animation. Um, I think it kind of falls short in the later parts. I think the audio, for some reason, doesn't feel like it was all there. It, it just didn't have the impact that the sound should have, um, which kind of hurt it for me in, in a way but i think overall i had a lot of fun watching this show i don't think it really really was saying much it does have a great huge cast of characters just like the first season did and i loved getting into jana arc um her story was fantastic getting into the angels was great um it kind of stumbles a bit getting into uh every time it kind of deals with kazar and his knights uh, but i think overall it has a really great cast that brings it to a level that a show like this normally wouldn't have. And I think that was something that was present in the first season as well. Yeah, yeah. On 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 my side it, it see, I I love the way this this show kind of came out of the gate. It was it was fun. It 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 was getting ready to set out on this great adventure. And you got going and th- things started falling together and 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 we had had these little pieces coming in, new characters being introduced in and outs of of all the all the tidbits then we got to this big kind of shift and for lack of a better term where we we moved from one i almost an arc to another arc and that's when kind of the big battle comes to comes to to fruition but all the while it always felt like we were just it never felt like we were moving it was always this this kind of stalemate everything was stuck and you although you could see the pieces moving nothing was actually 
happening for lack of a better term. And that, that I don't know how to better describe it other than that. The, you did see the people, the players in, in, and, and how they were interacting, but they never felt like they were developing or becoming better in themselves. They just were there and they were the same at the beginning, all the way to the end. Nothing really changed. Well, I think that, and this goes back to the whole idea of how uh, the original Rage of Bahamut was presented. It does get at some point, it goes into that final battle. And I think the problem with this one is it spent too much time on that final battle that it, it's like, I already know what the big twist is here. Why don't you just say what it is and move on thing? It has that problem. And I think, I think the show, this type of show and the way that they put together Rage of Bahamut as a, a show itself with characters is it, it, it does better in the sense of adventure and moving forward. And I think when it gets to that big climactic battle, I think that's where it kind of starts, stud- uh, not so much falling apart, but just getting stuck in a rut. Yeah. And I, and I think that I, I honestly felt the same way. Like I said, overstaying its welcome had the same problem with this one and it's, and it's mid such point of the second core. So at any uh, rate, it, for the most part, it was fun. It's a fun ride. And, it's, <laughs> and the same thing that Rage of Hunt was, the same thing with this one. It's it's a fun ride, um, and it has a great cast, really cool little world that it kind of developed from a card game. So it's like one of those things where you can complain as much as you want, but this show being from a source of a card game, it's 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 fantastic the way they kind of bring these characters to life. And uh, yeah, Elson is a terrible character. I guess my other point we can talk about in the spoiler section if we do one. Uh, I, I feel like there's some more to say here, but unfortunately it's, it's, it's one of those cases where it, it's, it's more in the action and fun and adventure that there really isn't too much to discuss besides the, like I said, I enjoyed the development of John Arc. I liked her story with Muguro. Uh, that was fantastic going into the, we had a Magane angel and she was adorable. Best, best angel. <laughs> um, Yeah. It, it it just does well in the characters and their chemistry, so it's it's fantastic the way they pulled something out of nothing the way they did. I still yeah. think Rita's best best girl, but hey, she didn't get to shine much in this show. She didn't get, get to shine much. But yeah, that's uh, that's it. That's uh, all the shows that we have to talk about this this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed. Um, we're gonna do what we usually do. We'll go into a spoiler segment after the music, and we'll do a little bit of uh, spoiler discussion for some shows. I assume we'll talk about Maiden Bis, and if you want to Rage of Bahamut, any other ones? None, not that I know of. Okay. Uh, but yeah. Uh, again, we're at TakuSpirit.com. You can go there for our news reviews, coverage, and old animes with our wonderful community form links, stop, social media on the night side, and all the good jazz. And we hope you all enjoyed, and you all take care. Oos. If I stood wise, scaring in the dark, so
All right, we are back. What did you want to talk about in Rage of Bahama? You want to get that out of the way first? Or what, what, what did you... Oh, just the... the I, I thought it was interesting. Uh, what I was mentioning to you that they kind of offset the balance between the three races in there, and I thought that that was kind of an interesting way that they did that. Um, where in the first season, the, the Rage of the Bahamut, uh, the game is, is balanced. It's balanced between the, the three races, the humans, the, the gods, um, and the, uh, the devils and each one of them, um, cancel each other out, no matter how you look at it. In the first one, that was the same thing. They, they, they showed that balance between the three races and then they put this big old block in the middle and the three races had to come together to fight that big block. Now, in this one, it was kind of odd in the fact that they, um, they effectively, uh, counterbalanced out the humans so much that the other two races were nearly, um, he almost hinted at the fact that they were pretty much extinct. Yeah, they were just kind of hiding away. Yeah, they were both hiding away. They could like, not like a fight dog, against them. Yeah, the dog that just could, you know just runs with the tail between its legs and hide in the corner. Uh, and I like the way that they did that and 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 made it to where um, it kind of uh, it kind of made the humans become the bad guys in this weird twist of the entire show. It's like. Um, because the humans are, I mean, they're the ones that you are supposed to be kind of, um, uh, relating to because you're human, you're, you, you don't understand what it's like to be a devil or you don't know what it's like to be a, uh, angel. I mean, I'm sure some of us could probably imagine ourselves as devils or, or angels if you want, if you want, but you know, it's harder to imagine or to relate yourself to that. But in this weird twist, they made the humans become the most powerful, and the other ones you end up naturally um, uh, relating to because they are the underdogs. Yeah, it's funny because in the first season they were they were under the thumb of the the gods. So. Yeah, uh, I just love seeing uh, Jenna Arc finally get. <laughs> I felt like she they just totally. They totally crippled her. Like at some point, when when she finally sees Moguro, and it was like they weren't doing anything but having her stand on the side, kind of pouting. And it was like, what are they doing with John of Arc? And I was so f- uh, frustrated with what they were doing with her as a character. And it wasn't until they get rid of Moguro and suddenly power up, and now she's wrecking things again. But it was like, I, I totally thought they were gonna do like some kind of uh, Jesus thing with Moguro. I, I they they played him out like he was a a direct like copy kind of thing just pure gets killed and i'm just waiting for him to come back and i'm like no you're gonna do that aren't you <laughs> they, yeah they the, never I, did i, I, I was surprised i didn't understand what the whole point of what muguro was i mean that i guess was that a was trigger it, was it a really trigger. kind of was but it was one of those things it's the the that, that it, it it goes to what i was talking about earlier the idea of it kind of just felt like it got stuck somewhere. And well, Muguro was a good example of that. Muguro comes in, he's kind of this secret, quote-unquote, secret weapon against the angels or the devils or the humans or whatever have you, because he can nullify this power that nullifies everybody else. Okay, that that's cool. And then you kill him off. For what? It was a, it was a catalyst, because Muguro was this one catalyst that was connected to both the demons through Azazel and through the angels through Jean of Arc. 
and killing him off was a thing that would set both of them off. They would go to their sides, route route the army, and then charge forward. That's right. basically what they turned him into. I agree. I, I think they could have done a little bit more on that by because Mogoro was helping the rag demon liberate the demons, and so it would have been cooler if people were more affected by that. Everybody noticed that. Everybody's seen maybe the murder happen. All the demons are over there. They see it happened, and the angels seen that it happened, and it becomes this thing of like we're all sick of it. But instead, it turns into Azazel yelling at Lucifer, "Look, they're." You can kick them while they're down. This is the time to do it. The angels are ticked off. You can do this now, kind of thing. Stop reading your book. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 felt like a waste waste of a death to me. That that's the frustrating thing to me. I I I agree. It was the catalyst, but to me, it was a waste. You cannot believe you spoiled Kaiser. <laughs> spoiled Kaiser. He said he's with her forever. I'm like, why did you say forever? forever? Just it was great. Spoiled it. I love it. It was great. I I, I didn't think they were going to kill him off. But I, I wanted off, to I'm get like, a kiss out of it at least, it? though. They should have gotten at least a kiss out of it, though. I can't. I, it was constantly towards the later part of that. I'm like, would she do it? Is she really going to do it? Uh, I I was totally on board with her doing it. So hey, well, I was, I was <laughs> on board. But it's, at the same time, it's one of those things like, would you do it? Like, because then he's definitely he's he's dead forever with you. Would you really want to do that to somebody that you love kind of thing? It was, it was sad. But yes. She's like, you'll get to meet him again. <laughs> uh, let's go on to Made, of, Made in Abyss. Oh, my gosh. This show. That should I sit like, back? Really Let gush. you go for a little bit? I don't care. What, did you, what, do, you, what do you want to cover? In I, Made, of the, Made in the Abyss? I don't know. I. Well, we can talk about Nanachi. We didn't get to... Well, Nanachi is a hard hard one to talk about. We, we already talked about Ozen of Death in our in our spoiler cast before yeah, this. True. So really all we really have to discuss is Nanachi and, and Rico getting hit by the the layers and like Mithi. massively. And Mithi. Yeah, Mithi. Everybody knows we've got to talk about <laughs> Mithi. If we don't talk about Mithi, we we are a failure of a podcast. I love Nanachi's voice, though. It was adorable. It was awesome. I, I just loved everything about her. She was she was way cute. But yeah, Mithi. Mitty was hard to watch because you you knew that's one of those things where you know what's coming, and you're just you're just seeing how it happened kind of thing, and so it's the like, wait. Come on, the wait was killer. Wait, no, don't do that. <laughs> just splatter, and they were talking about how they were they kept killing her because they were, and she kept coming back. It was like and you see that big old splatter. Was like oh. oh gosh, get her out of there. <laughs> That was just a little fun. tear on this kind of uh, uh, melted creature. The little tear going down the face is like, stop. Yeah, we're, we're, stop we're talking, torturing we're talking, me. <laughs> we're talking mad spoilers here. So if you're still listening to this, you shouldn't be watching or listening to this. Um, but yeah, I, I could definitely, I, I definitely think besides Rico and the whole cutting the arm scene, which was just very painful to watch. Yeah. Um, the whole scene with Nanachi and Miti first, you know, being submerged and re-brought back up was tough, but nothing amounted to the quote-unquote execution of Mitty. That was, it hurt on so many levels because you see, you, they show you like, oh, here's like their entire backstory in this one hour long episode. So we'll get to show you and you know what's coming because you, <laughs> you already had Nanachi ask uh, Regu to, to kill her. No, let's show you the backstory first. That's why it's more sad 
And then you come back to the whole scene, and then Nanachi says, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and rushes up there and says, I was wrong, I'm sorry. And I was like, no, what are you doing? You can't do it now. And then she walks by and says, do it. I was like, what are you doing? I thought you weren't going to do it. <laughs> well, that's what I was talking about, that wait. And it was like, oh, you did not just do that. It was, <laughs> I prepared myself here. And then Nanachi's crying like a baby. I'm like, oh, gosh, kill me now, please. Yeah, she bawls and, he's, and he hugs her. and they're Chris is over here doing this and... weird laugh thing that Andrew always makes fun of. <laughs> I didn't hear that one because I had the volume up loud. Because I, I can't hear the, you always do that little weird ch- ch- chuckle before. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? It always distracts me. Oh, uh, yeah, that was, that was, it was, it was, it's, it's kind of that mixture of you hate it because she's like, that's my treasure. My treasure's gone. Um, the, the thing that kept her going for this long period of time, at the same time, she has valid points. She's like, she just keeps coming back. She's never going to be able to die. She's going to suffer eternally without me and i'm not gonna last i'm not gonna live forever so it's like you have valid points there the suffering then they kind of hit it again with rico talking about how she's seen this thing that was suffering and then it it went away and it was like oh gosh you're hurting me stop yeah it was was, was, all these things mixed together and directed together so well i was wondering if they were going to point out the fact that rico knew mitty or not not that she knew or that that they were connected somehow and i was wondering if they were going to to discuss that or if that was just going to be one of those throwaway scenes that they just tossed in there it was interesting to see how they they kind of played that out that was cool yeah that kind of included in there but yeah that was uh yeah, and then the fact that you had, you know, the weight of Regu realizing that, you know, I, I have to kill this thing. You're making me kill this thing, and then you make me stop when I was going to do it. <laughs> oh, it was, it, was, it was way, way strong. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, that Bron Druid guy can die. I, I want to read, read the manga just so I can see the moment that he dies. Um, in a horrible, horrible way, I hope. Just... Just dip him down to the furthest points, and then we'll see what... Take off his hey, outfit. How how about this? Let's put him in a chamber, and we will test to see what the deepest point of the abyss does to you when you come back up. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm since a, you're testing on the kids, we can, let's test and, it on you. Why don't we just go ahead and bring them all the way to the top? Yeah. Instead of just stopping at a really thousand fast. feet, we'll just go all really the way fast. to the top. All the way to the bottom, all the way to the top. Exactly. And we'll just or, keep going back and forth. Yeah, or I mean, I just inject him with like something that'll paralyze him, and then dump him into the hole where all the poor little kids are at, and then they can all tee them to death. No, I don't want him. I don't want him to have that much <laughs> that nastiness. <laughs> I want him to suffer so he can go back and forth, up and down, all for for eternity. Yeah, and that, that that sucked too because he he went like right after that, and that that was that slightly bad tease for the manga the fact that he walked past there and there was this big old room full of all these indicators of the liveness of the of the yeah, test subject that was kind of a left field thing it was like okay so he's all paid attention ones. to this for some reason uh, okay well i know that he was interested in mitty because mitty wouldn't die so i'm assuming that means that he has made others like mitty that don't die because otherwise why would he have this room full of bulbs yeah that's it. That's that's the thing. Okay, some kind of weird experiment that he had going on, and oh well, okay. 
Yeah, it's it's fascinating the idea that it's like, okay, now I want to know what this room full of bulbs are. I mean, is this just the kids that are down in the hole that they were at? And that sucks because all these kids are down there in this hole of darkness, unable to die. Ugh, this show just does dark and it does dark well, but at the same time, I don't like it, but I like it. <laughs> it hurts. And we haven't even gotten to the con- the concept of what, what we're going to do with Le- Liza. It, it's just... And Liza is the ultimate goal. It's like we've got so many fascinating things going on right now. It's like just that's it. Next chapter, right after the show ends, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that next volume. I'm gonna open it up, and Liza's in the covert op to kill Bondrude and kills him. Agreed. Let's do that. Boom. Got it. Figured out. I was I was a little upset that uh, Guido never and, showed and up plus, again. And plus, Ozen's probably mad at at Bordred, so he she's coming down at the same time. So we got we got a double teaming down there, gonna knock out Bordred. We got to see Marduk like one last time, but we never got no, to see what the package. Marduk stays in the in in that place. No, I'm saying she's that perfectly we see, fine. We got to see Marduk one more time by fixing yeah. the package. Well, she she but we she, never got to see what was in the package. That's because though. she's awesome. I mean, she she caught the package and she fixed it and sent it up. You think the package just had like uh, just notes, just random? Don't stuff make it messages. into something that's not. It, but it, it put don't. It was a don't. cool thing, though. It was a cool thing because you got to see like each of the layers going yeah. up, like where they came from. Um, I never mentioned our podcast, but the, or the review, but uh, the music was was fantastic. So for that last episode, yeah. The whole thing, like the the vocals that they have in a lot of the scenes, were just were fantastic. I mean, they played the vocals when they were saying goodbye to Maruduk, and it was it was absolutely beautiful. So, I loved it. Really great, really great music. Anything else? I don't know. We talked about how how much that last episode wrecked us. <laughs> oh, that last episode was brutal. No matter how you look it at sucked, it. It was after, so brutal. After Rico finally waked up, I was so happy when Rico waked up. And it was like they were making the food. And he's like, she's like, oh, where's the other person? He's like, oh, don't bring up that. No, don't bring up who's not at the table. <laughs> <laughs> we just got over this. Oh, and then actually, and then she accepting to go with them. Was, so was great. I, I loved the, the uh, regu <laughs> making dinner. <laughs> no, like you can't make dinner. I can make dinner. Okay. It tastes worse. Sure? <laughs> it tastes worse. <laughs> it does taste worse. How could you make it manage to make it worse? Oh, that was cute. Anywho. Anything else? The treasure thing was brutal. Treasure thing. Oh. My treasure. Yes. My treasure. That that hurt on so many levels. Just like a stab. I'm... Yeah. Okay. Since we gush gush. Anyway, gush gush. Everybody, go watch the show. If you're if you're listening to us and you haven't watched it, shame on you. Go and watch it. You got all spoiled and everything. <laughs> Anywho, we hope you guys enjoy this little spoiler segment. Um, again, we have one more review part for the summer 2017 season. And then we'll go right into music and first impressions, and it just keeps going. We hope you all enjoyed, and y'all take care. Oh.